Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. We're glad that you tuned in today. Welcome to the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. You're going to be in for a treat. Sit back, relax, or listen to this while you work out, whatever floats your boat. Thanks again for hanging with Coach Noonan on the podcast. Hey, everybody. Don't forget to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play Podcast, and several other podcast platforms along with the Anchor app. Make sure to leave us a, a review and a star rating. really helps to get us out there and also promote the awesome people that I bring on here and to help future episodes. Thanks. Are you looking for a way to sell your program and make some money as well? I've got something for you. Check out Story of the Season. This is a digital program that helps high school and college football teams share their story like never before. Each week, they collect all of your video highlights, articles, interviews, and other content and publish a digital game recap magazine that captures everything that happened on and off the field. At the end of the season, they publish a digital yearbook covering each game. The revenue schools make from selling our subscriptions and ads more than covers the production fee and provides coaches with extra funding for their program. Sounds like a pretty good win to me so far. Story of the Season requires zero effort for coaches and gives them an incredible tool to engage the world with their team. Hard to beat that. If you're interested, please contact Chris Herman by emailing chris, C-H-R-I-S, at storyoftheseason.com to learn more, or call 518-944-3311. Check him out on Twitter, at storytheseason. Give him a follow. Thank you for sponsoring the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. As of October 21st, I have completed 21 days of Squattober. Things are moving well. Uh, I've had to double up on some days, given a couple of little uh, minor uh, bumps and bruises, as well as just uh, general craziness of work uh, and, and coaching and teaching in this current climate and time. I'm looking forward to finishing out strong. Uh, shooting for still for a 450 pound max, so we'll see where it goes. We're at a crossroads right now in America, and one of the things that I believe needs to happen is there needs to be more dialogue between people. There needs to be a putting aside of egos. There needs to be Uh, a greater emphasis on empathy, on compassion, on learning how to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Just because something hasn't happened to you doesn't mean it can't or it never will. It also means that you should take the time to understand why people are feeling the way that they are, whether you agree with them or not. There's so much better that we can do there's so much better that we should do there's so much better that we have to do it starts with you that change 
you should be the change that you want to see in the world. On today's episode, we are joined by Missy Mitchell McBeth, head strength coach at Byron Nelson High School. Missy is a certified strength coach and NHSSCA Region 2 board member. She has a background in playing volleyball as well as spending time at TCU as a strength conditioning coach. She also has a website and company called Safe Iron. The mission of Safe Iron is to provide an organized approach to improve the safety and efficacy of existing strength and strength training programs or to build a new program from the ground up. Missy is an awesome coach with a lot of great resources. I've had the opportunity to listen to her uh, during the summertime COVID months uh, to about not only working with uh, strength conditioning coaches, but also working with athletes, particularly working with female athletes. You can find her on Twitter uh, at M-I-S-S-E M-I-T-C-H-E-1-1, or check out her website, safeirontraining.com. Enjoy today's show. Hope you learn as much as I do from Coach Macbeth, and remember to reach out to her if you need more information. So you have, uh, you've started this um, company, Safe Iron LLC. Uh, you've got a website um, and, and, and such. Where, where are you wanting to go with it? And what is it, what's your mission with it? Um, so I think we just recently talked about like information overload. Um, and so I feel like with all the demands that are placed on high school sport coaches, um, adding the layer of the weight room on there, um, can be overwhelming. Um, and so my mission is to empower coaches with information that they just, just basics of why and how to implement things in the weight room safely. Um, so they can create safe training programs for their, for their athletes. Um, and I really feel like, um, we have this great idea that we're going to have full-time strength coaches on every single campus. Um, but my first question with that is where are we going to find all these people? I think there's 1100 high schools in the state of Texas. I doubt there are 1,100 qualified people, qualified, certified, experienced people in the state uh, to take those positions that aren't already in positions. Um, I also think that um, budget-wise, like like I said, my husband's the head baseball coach at a 3A high school. I believe they have six total male coaches on staff. So are you going to take one of those positions away from sports and allocate it to full-time strength and conditioning for the campus? Um, so I think it's a nice thought that we're all going to have a full-time strength coach, but I just don't see the implementation anywhere in the near future, especially with what's happened in school finance um, with this whole COVID thing. Um, so I think if we're sitting around waiting for an imaginary day to come, we're doing an extreme disservice to our athlete by uh, not providing some form of education for coaches. So that's kind of what my mission is. Um, I'll come in and do you know, a full day clinic on safe lifting progressions and basics on programming um, and, and base that on your equipment. I'll come in and do a consult and watch your program and say, you know, these are the areas that I feel need to be addressed. Or I'll come in and do a custom training program for your school. Um, I have a couple of clients that I work with now, um, but eventually I want that to be uh, basically my gig to be coaching coaches um, I love what I do now at Byron Nelson, don't get me wrong, but um, being future-minded, I think that that's the path that I want to head down is um, less being on the floor, 
um, and more helping other people get their athletes on the floor um, with proper training progressions and protocols. Yeah. So, so you're the head strength conditioning uh, coach at Byron Nelson. How does that work um, as far as, you know, are you present with every single athletic program um, and walking coaches through it? Or do you kind of walk with them initially and then let them take care of their, their programs with your oversight? Um, the answer to that is both. So basically I have, uh, I have two weight rooms, um, and every single one of our athletes on campus, uh, all of our sports lift and they lift a minimum of two times a week. So I basically set up my schedule where I see each team at least one time a week. And then their other session or other two sessions, their coaching staff is going to take them through those sessions. Um, I'm providing the, the training program to them, obviously. Um, I communicate through Google Drive. Um, so I'll email the coaches, say, hey, the new training program's up. And then within that folder um, where they have the workout itself, they also have a Google Drive um, video bank. I call it Virtual Macbeth. And so they can get in there and they watch the videos to any new exercises. And then they're free to show those if they don't feel comfortable, you know, remembering all those coaching cues after watching the videos, they might just show that to the kids and they're just holding up the iPad and like, okay, here's the exercise. Here's how we want it to look. These are the common mistakes and then um, roll through. We unfortunately um, are still stuck back in the pen and paper era where I don't have weight room software because having software and iPads at every station would clean up our communication piece um, for through all that because then the kids would just pop up the program for the day and then they could click on a link with the video um, immediately linked to it instead of the coaches having to go back and forth. But yeah, so a lot of my role, um, absolutely I'm there on the floor as much as I can, but um, I'm not I haven't yet been able to divide myself via mitosis and be in two places at once. So the coaches are going to be uh, responsible in my absence for executing the program. And my um, kind of goal for it and their goal for it is everything's the same, whether Macbeth is in the room or not. So a lot of my job really boils down to educating and communicating with our coaches to make sure that our athletes are getting what they need. Yeah. And you bring up a really good point about, you know, electronics in the weight room and, um, and, and software. Uh, I think that, you know, people probably view the weight room that are not, you know, in athletics as some kind of some, you know, possibly a money pit because they don't see, um, the, the things that are going on in it uh or they they just look at it as well the only teams that use it are are the it's, it's football you know nobody else uses it and, and so you know in in terms of debunking that and and you know what what do you think companies could do a better job of to help at the high school level because you know it's great that the nfl and, and the pro leagues have this stuff and the the collegiate ranks have it but i feel like it's even more needed at the high school level so that things are better. Um, and, 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 you know, work in terms of like a, a grassroots deal, right. The ground up is being built up versus the top down. 
Yeah. So for me, it's for sure more important um, that I have technology. Now, when I was at TCU, uh, I don't think this has come up yet, but I was a strength coach at TCU for seven years. So I had women's basketball, women's indoor volleyball, and women's golf. So all totaled on a big roster year, I think I was maybe responsible for 40 to 45 athletes. I have 735 athletes now. So at TCU, I literally would just, every time I changed my program, I would just manually key in their maxes and, you know, it would run through the Excel spreadsheet. Well, now if I try to manually key in maxes every, uh, every four weeks or six weeks, I'm programming on six week blocks now, my gosh, like I don't, there's not enough hours in the day for it. So what I had to do is, um, I have, fortunately I have the phone, a friend capability on many things. And I was able to phone a, a guy named Quentin Posey that coaches at Lake Worth high school and say, Hey, I need help installing a macro on this spreadsheet. And so basically I have a miniature software program where, you know, it automatically populates everybody's maxes, but there's still a lot of, you know, you got to enter the data correctly and you can't do it on the floor. And um, anyway, so yeah, it would make everybody's life so much more efficient. Um, and I don't think that the, the disconnect is not to me in the company showing value to the customer. I think the problem is, is that they're making the customer the wrong person because ultimately the person that has to make this call is the athletic director and they have to see the value and importance in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and like you said, and I don't want to get myself into trouble here, but there's been a couple things, um, in the last year where I have, you know, I, I've been in a weight room for so long. I don't know what the general population thinks of us because I only know what we think of us. Um, but there's been a couple incidents in the last year with us constructing a new facility where people have come in and been like, oh my gosh, this is like so great. And this looks like a college weight room. And yeah, like Powerlift, uh, Sean McPherson and I did like a killer job of designing this facility. But square footage wise, it's the same size as, you know, what 3A high schools are building. And we have twice the number of athletes. Mm -hmm. But but to get the to get the people that are making those plans to understand that is impossible because they think of the weight room, like you said, as this gritty, dungy, rusty place from the 80s where like 10 football players come in and hit a set of curls and then roll on out to the field. Um, and, and even they wanted to come in and stage photos and it was like, well, show us how you would use it. And I'm like, well, you can't bring me five athletes and make this and stage this, how I would use it. I'm like, we're going to have a hundred kids in here working out at a time. And like their mind is just blown by the fact that there's structure and organization and that it's not just, you know, everybody putting on as much weight as they can and just doing a, you know, a squat and a bench and leaving. Um, and so I think that the disconnect is not with the software companies coming in and, and selling. I think the disconnect is that there's just a lack of understanding of what a weight room looks like um, in full operation and how it should operate, um, which if you look at my social media, like I'm a big proponent of, you know, that's another thing that I think people need consulting on is when they're making these hires for strength and conditioning coaches, they're not hiring strength coaches they're hiring their friend or they're hiring a football coach, you know, which could be a strength coach, but I've watched four jobs go to people that I'm like, they don't, this is not an entry level position. Like I couldn't have done this my first year out of college. Mm -hmm. um, well, 
So yeah, I think that's where the disconnect is, is people just don't understand what the weight room should look like in order to evaluate and see um, how those software programs would benefit the athlete. Um, and even for myself, you know, we've been working, I've been working for four years to try to get iPads and, you know, been told we're working on it, we're working on it. And, and it's a massive financial investment. You've got to have the cases that magnet to the racks, you got to have the iPads and then you have to have the subscription. Um, but finally, you know, with COVID and everything, our athletic directors like, you know, Missy, like I understand these would be really beneficial because I sent him this thing about, because um, one thing that like the Excel spreadsheet does that not a lot of people think about. If you've got a kid that's on a different learning level, you know, if they have a learning disability and you hand them an Excel spreadsheet, all they see is a bunch of lines shooting across the page. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, where well, that makes sense to me, you know, that poor kid is like, what the heck? And of course they don't want to, you know, and, and, and I address that like, Hey, if you just see numbers and lines on this page, like, please ask us, we'll help you ask a teammate, I don't expect you to understand or, or read things the same way that I read them, but, but still kids don't want to, you know, raise that hand and be different or whatever. Um, and so software programs make things a lot more user-friendly for the kid. And if it's more user-friendly for the kid, then we're spending more time working out and less time figuring out what our number is. Um, right. So anyway, that's probably more information and thoughts on that than you wanted, but no, I, that's, I, I completely agree with you. And, and, and I think you, you phrased it really well and, and, and explained it. I, you know, I, I'm, I don't know, you know, as far as, you know, how you view a qualified strength coach. Um, I don't know if I personally would fit that mold, but I know that um, I, I know that I feel like I'm better than probably just a regular coach because of the time that I invest in terms of research and stuff. And, you know, right before I left uh, my old school, you know, we were starting to use rack performance and, you know, I was going to transition to putting everything on there and, and really kind of getting them, you know, getting the kids, uh, you know, more focused on what's going on. So they just turn ahead peak and now they're back to, do that instead of trying to look at charts and and have sure. you know every rack has got three different you know deals it's got a max chart it's got a percentage chart it's got a a loading chart and it's just you know it, it takes a lot it takes more time than necessary as we talked about at the beginning you know efficiency is, is the key and if we're if we're if we're going to look at the weight room like a classroom, because it is there, there's exactly what you said. There, there's a, for a varying degree of abilities at one time with hundred kids at one time. Um, you have to be able to differentiate, and and you know it would be it would be wonderful to just say, look, um, you guys are all this level. You need to go to this area and, and this, this, and this, and and you can get there. Uh, but when you're constricted in space, like you're talking about, it it makes it challenging. So, you know, a classroom teacher has to figure out, well, how do I spend more time with this group of kids that needs me? Uh, and how do I still challenge the, the older uh, or the more advanced group um, without having them slow down too much? Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a super good point. And actually, uh, I think, I, I don't know when you're going to produce or like put this podcast out there, but um, in the last two days, someone on Twitter like fired this shot that 
basic like at social studies teachers and saying it was a response to you know trump saying that you know kids are taught this that whatever in school and like the lady came out and was like you know it's because coaches are social studies teachers and they suck in the classroom because all they care about is football was the was the i don't know if that was her exact phrasing um and then you know people are on there like what are you talking about um because the general population and even unfortunately some people within the school setting don't understand that yeah like the the football field the weight room the volleyball court those are our classrooms as coaches and we are teachers first whether it's teaching you know i was a biology teacher or whether it's teaching a squat the skills uh the skills and delivery are the same as it would be teaching how to do a punnett square in the classroom um, and so i think a lot of people don't see that so it's like you know, we want to put all this technology in our classroom, but then at the same time, we want to fight it um, for the weight room simply because we lack the understanding that it really, really is the same, um, the same skill set and, and, and really the same setting um, as a as a school classroom. Right, right. Well, you know, um, right now we're doing, you know, we, the way our weight room is set up at Hendrickson with you know, the, the restrictions that were placed, you know, we've got 12 racks, but, um, you know, only three, three stations per side, uh, you know, and everything is kind of uh, diagonally across and so no one's directly in front of another kid. So we're having to rotate. Well, you know, we have rotation expectations. We have rotation norms, no different than you would in a classroom if you had you know, you decided to do stations for, for your lesson where they have to rotate. You, you go through and you talk about like, okay, when you hear this, or when I say this, this is when you do this. And when we're done, you got to make sure that you clean it up or it's ready for the next person. Um, and I think that, you know, like you said, it's probably not as much on the companies and they're selling. It's just the general population's lack of knowledge uh, and understanding that we are functioning the same way that a teacher does and, and our expectations um, are always safety first, no different than a classroom, make it a positive environment because no one wants to lift in a negative environment where, you know, you're always getting scrutinized and getting talked down to, you know, regardless of what, what weights on the bar or not. And then, you know, ultimately we still want it to be fun because for some, they're going to love the weight room for others. They're probably going to hate it. And, you know, you know, to get into what you, what you presented on just recently uh, about the female athlete, you know, there's a whole stigmatism and, and, and mythology about girls and lifting and what it does and doesn't do for them. Yeah. Um, and I could really talk all day on that. Um, I just feel like, you know, going back to what I said earlier of I'm 38 years old and when I was growing up, the weight room, it was not a big part of what we did. Um, it wasn't, it just wasn't a part of female sport culture. And so if you look at, you know, what's the age range of our parent, what is the age range of most of our, you know, head coaches, they're sitting right about, you know, right about where I'm at. And so they don't have, they don't have that the way we've always done it mentality, which in some ways is great. Um, because sometimes that can lead to forward progress, but at the same time, if the way we've always done it, which is lifting is a good thing, then they're going to be resistant to that as well. Because as I like talked about in my presentation yesterday, 
you're you're uh, gonna maybe one out of a million times find a football parent that's like, you know, my son shouldn't be lifting weights and this that or whatever, or even a coach that says that. But you're gonna find that like fifty percent of the time on the girls' side simply because that wasn't their experience, and so they don't understand like why their daughter should be lifting. And so that's where I think that educating the kids. Uh, themselves of this is how it's going to make you better at volleyball, letting them see results. Um, Something I'm going to try to start this next year, or I was going to, I have no idea what our fall is going to look like, but um, I was going to do a, you know, and we do like, I do a nutrition talk and we obviously do a little weight room orientation where we go over, you know, basically our classroom operating procedures and how to put things back and where to go and blah, blah, blah. Um, but this year we usually don't start lifting until the second week of school by the time everybody has their lockers and their equipment and, you know, all the things that we have to deal with. Um, this year, I think I'm going to do two classroom sessions with kids. One is a weight room orientation where we're talking about um, basically like training philosophy and why we're doing certain things and how it's going to cycle through time just to give them kids are smart. Um, I don't think we give them enough credit for understanding the ability to understand what we're uh, why we're doing things. Um, but especially with them having tons of information at their fingertips, I think it's really, really important that we um, respect them enough to give them that knowledge. So I want to do a classroom setting on like weight room. I don't want to say theory, but kind of. Um, and then their second session on our normal nutrition talk. Um, but I also think I'm going to do um, an open session with parents and, you know, invite them in. So it's like when little Sally comes in with a note from the chiropractor that's like, oh, well, she can be full go on the field, but she can't do anything in the weight room, you know, then we've already had that conversation of like, this is why that's detrimental to your daughter. This is why she's going to sit out of practice because we're not going to play that game. Um, But yeah, just, I think that we need to do a better job um, or I can do a better job of educating parents on, on the process of strength and conditioning Um, because, you know, at the high school level, it is relatively new. It's probably not been, Um, full-time strength coaches are probably 10 years, uh, 10 years at the high school level, which is nothing by comparison to how long schools have, you know, been in existence. Um, and we'll see it more and more, but I think those of us that have these positions have to do, you know, our best to, to educate, you know, everyone using our platforms so that we see more of us around the state and around the country. Yeah. I think that's, that's really good. I, I, I like the idea about, you know, ed, not just educating the kids, but educating parents, because, you know, we can educate the kids, but you and I both know the message can get lost on the way home. And so how they explain it is probably not how we explained it. They put it into their words and then they miss, they, they whether intentionally or unintentionally, they, they change what was said or they, 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 they tweak it. And so then, you know, there's, there's the error message. And now you have that well, you, you know, he said, she said this, but um, you're now telling me that. And so you bring up a really good point about, you know, when you get these notes from home about from chiropractors and things of that nature, how do you, how do you deal with, with that? Um, and, and I know that you've been, you've been at a place for, for five years now. So you've gotten a full graduating class or you're, you're, right. you know, you're, you're about to have, now you now you're starting back over with a new freshman group so you have more norms established but you also have a brand new weight room but you still have this competition 
uh, with the outside uh, private sector, whether it's uh, trainers or it's, um, I guess we can still call it CrossFit. I don't, whatever limbo thing they're in now, you know, um, but, you know, how do you, how do you deal with those things? And um, uh, obviously aside from more education, um, okay. So let's, I, I guess let's back up to the beginning of like what I walked into. Um, so I, my first, you know, I go in, I train my coaching staff. We talk philosophy, we get on the platform, we go through our lifting progressions. I'm like, okay, this is, I've seen my kids lift in the summer. Um, and it's just, it's just awful, just awful technique. And so I know that that's like my first priority. So I'm like, it's day one. I'm ready to rock. I've already talked to the kids about like weight room expectations and whatever. Um, and then we, I go through the workout for the day and I get them started. And it's like, I just get swarmed by like eight kids. And what I'm swarmed, like I, I didn't realize that I had actually entered like a battlefield and that there was a triage facility that I was going to be responsible for, because that's what came to me. It's like, you know, little tiny Tim had a hangnail that day. And so he can't do this. And so-and-so their eye itches. And so they didn't want to do that. And I'm just like, holy moly, like these kids have been getting out of doing anything. So I think that what would happen is that they'd have some like little Nick, like, you know, you have a thigh bruise. Okay, great. You're not lifting lower body today, but you're lifting upper body. Um, and so one of the things that I had to do very early in that process of, you know, dealing with injuries and, and that kind of, and outside influences and opinions is, you know, get on the same page with our athletic training staff and go in and show them that number one, I knew what I was doing with injury modifications, um, which I'm very, very fortunate that, you know, at the college level, you work extremely close with your athletic training staff. And I had you know, two excellent athletic trainers that I worked with. Um, one's name was Val Hairston. Um, and then one was Lauren Crawford. And basically, you know, it'd be a sit down every day of like, so-and-so's got this going on. How, what are you doing in the weight room? How can you modify it? And through that process, I learned, you know, kind of where the line is on what a kid can and can't do. Um, and so I went into our new staff and I was like, Hey, like, we understand that holding these kids in the training room to do ice and STEM for the day, which we'll, we'll skate over that topic, but, um, that is not doing anything because all we're going to do is decondition and deconditioned athletes get hurt. So why can we not do upper body training if their lower body's injured or single arm training if they're, you know, if one arm is injured. And so that's kind of how we, um, and we also, um, we started the hurt circuit, which, uh, was not exactly pleasant, but it did separate your kids who were truly injured from the kids that were just trying to get out of the weight room or trying to get out of the practice. I mean, I, I'm speaking football here because obviously that's your, your biggest sport where you have the, um, you know, you need the most number of hands on deck. And so we started doing that and it was like very quickly, you had kids like running, not walking back into the weight room to have a regular lift. And over time, as I got to know the kids and, and stuff, you could tell, you know, who legitimately needed injury modifications and whatnot. Um, and so it's really just become a communication piece with the athletic trainers of how can we modify. And so a lot of it is just changing the dialogue of not what the athlete can't do today. Cause like it doesn't, it, it, it takes zero coaching skill or zero medical expertise to say what someone can't do. 
but to figure out what they can do is what my job is and, and what we've had to you know work through as a coaching staff. Um, as far as outside influences are concerned, um, you know, club sports, like I got, um, I got an email this year that, you know, we're always going to deal with it. And I think that, I think that one of the things that I do really well, um, is I think that I pay very close attention to all of our sports schedules. I know when games are big. Um, I know when we're going to just smash somebody in a game, um, and so, and, and we'll talk about volleyball here because we want a state championship. That's what everybody wants to hear me talk about. That's <laughs> no, uh, that's, there's no question about it. That's my favorite sport. I've played it my whole life. Um, not to, I'm not saying that's my favorite group of kids. Coaches don't have favorites, right? That's the <laughs> lie we all tell. But anyway, um, but yeah, that's what I'll, that's what I'll steer this towards. Um, one of the things I think I do really well, like I said, is knowing our schedule and knowing when you know, we might need to back off a little bit because we need just a little bit more energy in that Tuesday night game or in that Friday night game or it's playoffs. So we need to back down. Um, and so the flip side of that is when we're in our off season, um, I have to know when it's time to push an off season and when these kids have big qualifier tournaments. Um, because like I said, in my presentation uh, that I gave on training female athletes, you know, there's, there's two people pulling on these kids. And if both continue to pull, we're going to rip that kid in half. And so somebody's got to give, right? And that's somebody, as much as I want to, like, be on my high school is great and this, that, whatever pedestal, the reality is, is that if I don't back down and I don't give that kid, you know, the feeling that we're taking care of them on our end, eventually we're going to lose that kid. Um, but we do get some, like, I had a coach email me, um, a club coach, and it was actually really funny because he like gives me, he's like, I'm the coach of the top team, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I know enough about volleyball clubs that like, I've never heard of this club. And so I know like, if that's your top team, it's probably like the fourth or fifth team at the top club. Mm -hmm. And so he, he's basically like name dropping and you know, whatever. And I'm just like, okay, I, I don't expect you to know like who I am and what I know about volleyball, but like, you're really cracking me up. Um, but the crux of his email was telling me to not do certain lifts with kids. And it's like, I am not going to contact you and tell you that I don't want kids jump serving because I've seen an athlete tear their ACL jump serving before. So therefore you shouldn't do it in your practice and you should pay me the same respect. So naturally I was pretty heated about it. I sent it to, um, I sent it to our head volleyball coach. Um, and in the end, what I decided to do is I decided to pull the kids aside and talk to them and be like, listen, like y'all know that we're like, number one, that we just won a state championship running a program very similar to what we're running right now. And that's our focus. And that's our emphasis is getting us ready for another run next year. And while club is certainly important, you know, and we're always going to take care of your bodies at this, like, this is a ridiculous request by your coach. And this is the exact equivalent of me going in and saying that I don't want to see you guys taking a certain type of swing or running a certain play or, you know, whatever, because I have seen an athlete get hurt. I'm like, and so I'm actually not even going to respond to your coach because this is so like wildly off base. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you deal with that stuff all the time. And I think that you can, I, I could have gone back to that coach and I could have like fought him and whatnot. 
Um, but all that's going to do is put that kid in the middle. And then I'm sitting there talking noise about that, about that club coach to them. And he's talking noise about me and the kid doesn't know because they let, they like both of us. They like me, they like their club coach. Um, and so to me, it's, it's better to have a direct conversation with the kid and say, here's, here's what I think, here's what I feel versus trying to, um, trying to appease the masses outside, if that makes sense. I don't know that I answered that very no. well. I think that was kind of rambly, but, um, but yeah. No, I, and I, I agree with what you said, but, you know, it comes down to the relationship that you have with the kids, right. And the trust that, that you've built with them. Um, but I, I think it also comes down to what you said earlier is that we don't give the kids enough credit um, that they are able to decipher information and, and and they can handle more and having those conversations with them I think is is important because they're they're the ones that are ultimately executing everything whether it's from our end or you know outside you know private stuff that so they're the ones executing ultimately they need to be they need to make decisions based on their physical body and not you know who's trying to use them or trying to push them more um, because I you know not not to make general blanket statements because I know that there are good club coaches and there are good trainers uh, and there are good facilities that actually do a do a good job of working in conjunction with high schools and I've and I've heard guys like Joe DeFranco talk about as a private sector coach uh, and trainer you need to know, you need to ask what what are y'all doing at the high school level and 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 you need to be able to modify when a kid walks in and that kid is is played two games and has lifted at school and they've got a big test coming up they don't need to go through a full course deal maybe they just need um some foam rolling and some stretching and some light cardio you know and, and that's that's it, it goes both ways um but you know i do also feel and i do fear um with 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 this COVID stuff and, and the threat of possibly not a football season, you know, increase in club and, um, you know, select type teams. And then just the trashing of the high school when, you know, here we are, where we are all constantly trying to get together and get better together. Um, I don't know. I don't know how often private coaches are trying to get better. Um, you know, and, and I hope they are, I, if, if my kids, if I'm a parent and my kids going to, to you, I really hope that you're doing your due diligence and making yourself better and not just going and doing the same thing. Well, cause it worked for the last three kids. Well, my kid might not be the same as the last three kids. It may be very different. It may be very, very ahead kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that, that I think you ra are raising a couple good points. Uh, I think the first one is that we are for sure in um, a scary time from a high school sports perspective, because um, whether, uh, whether people want to agree with a statement or not, like our stronghold in the world in, in keeping high school sports operational, in my opinion, is football. Um, because there is not a seven on seven is um, it's not run by high school coaches, but it's run by high school coaches. 
Um, and so, um, you know, they're putting the teams together and sending them to the stuff. Um, and so that's kind of the last, last hold out there. Um, so I think that if we lose that and then all of a sudden, you know, if somebody looks at that as an opportunity to make money, which they absolutely will. And all of a sudden we have club football season crop up. Um, I think that we might have a legitimate problem on our hands. Um, I, I don't know that I can think of anything more harmful to bodies than taking the year round model of some of these sports and now applying it to football. Um, so there's that. And then, yeah, to your point about private facilities and private trainers, um, I think a lot of times that that is money driven and make no mistake. Um, I started my company for, uh, it's, it's not free. Um, I'm not offering, you know, free advice beyond a certain point. So I don't have anybody, I, I have no issue with strength and conditioning coaches or coaches for that matter, trying to make income, right? We, we have to feed families and stuff, but when your facility, when your, when your training program becomes about volume and becomes about money versus, you know, kids, I think you have a problem. And, um, I was actually very impressed because, uh, one, I live, or I don't live, but uh, our school is in a very affluent area um, with a very, very affluent area um, to the north and to the east of us. Um, and so there is a, uh, an investor that wanted to put together a private training facility and he was going to build it. Um, it's going to be within five miles of our campus. And instead of him, you know, building that, what he did is he came to myself, he went to the private school that's nearby us, and he went to um, some of the guys up in uh, Denton and said, hey, like, this is what I'm trying to do. This is how I think it could be beneficial for your athletes. Let's get together and meet about who we might want to hire as a strength coach. That way, you know, when athletes come in to train, you know, one, you have a place to send them or you you're sending your program and they can work off of that. And I just I was very impressed with um, his transparency and his understanding that those two training processes had to mesh and work together um, because ultimately. Yeah, if, if they're not working together, once again, we have that kid getting ripped in half. Um, and so I think that there are certainly, absolutely, there are times that I wish I could send kids to a physical therapist or somebody that's certified in functional range conditioning that not that, like I am certified in FRC, but I don't have the time because I'm already, you know, split two different weight rooms as it is. I don't have the time to do one-on-one -on -one you know, training sessions with these kids. So if I had someone that I trusted and could say, I want them working on X, Y, Z in their extra workouts, that would be fantastic. Um, unfortunately, you know, those situations aren't the norm. And like you said, you just have trainers out there blindly. Uh, like I had a trainer try to hit us up on Twitter, like in the early stages of the pandemic, when we had no idea and was like, well, send your kids to us. And I'm like, dude, they're not coming to the high school right now. Why am like, why are you making a money grab in a public forum when you know that that could be harmful to a kid or their family? Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that there could come a day where we all collaborate and there needs to come a day. Um, but I think some of that's going to have to be, you know, people dropping their egos of, 
well, they don't need to be doing extra. We're taking care of everything here. Like there are circumstances, I think in general, like our football kids don't need to be doing extra. I think that they get what they need from us at school. Um, but I think that some of our other sports that maybe they only lift twice a week, like not the worst thing. If I had somebody I trusted, absolutely not the worst thing for me to send them somewhere for a third day, uh, third day of lifting. Yeah. I, and I'm with you. And I think that that was a, a, you you brought up a really good point about the early part of COVID and these seemingly money grabs that went on, uh, in the private sector. Um, you know, because exactly what you talked about early on. There, there was an opportunity for kids that, especially at the club and travel level sports, to actually have a reset and, and let their bodies heal. Um, I think they get so caught up in, well, I, I, I got to go to this showcase because if I don't go, well, nobody's going to see me. And, and I just, you know, there's so much out there as far as a, uh, you know, standpoint to getting your, your, your video out to people because coaches were sitting on their computers looking at video for the first probably two months, you know, March, March, April, and into May. Um, You know, so, so taking some time off to just let your body rest and heal and recover was not a bad thing. Um, And I think people, some, some people probably missed the boat on it. Like you said. Uh, Let me just, yeah, let me interject one point on that. If we have any any athletes listening or parents or coaches, um, here's a fun fact for you. Division one coaches are not going to miss you in the recruiting process. If you are what they need and what they want, you will not be missed. Um, having been on at the division one level, um, their jobs are on the line based on what they bring in and recruit. So they are looking under every single rock. So when people think that, you know, if they don't go to this showcase or they don't go to that, like to me, it's, it's ludicrous because they're going to find you. And in fact, more often than not kids that will never set foot on a D one campus are taking unofficial visits because those coaches again are looking under every single rock and checking every recruiting box to make sure that they, um, that they don't miss kids. Um, now am I saying that like showcases aren't valuable and you don't get discovered? Yeah, but I think a lot of times you're getting looked at for, you know, uh, what is it? Not Power 5. Uh, what's not the bowl game, but the lower division of D1. I don't know what it's called. Anyway, uh, I should, but uh, or D2, D2 um, scholarships and stuff. So, yeah, I think that that's something where it's like if you're being pressured to play more and to go year round simply because you think you're going to miss an opportunity, you're going to miss an opportunity because you're hurt. And your body doesn't have the longevity because you never took an off season. And so now you can't hack it at the college level um, because you don't have the ability to be on the quarter field and play. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, and, and I do hope that, um, that athletes listen to it and parents um, because there was some, there, there's been some really good points um, that you, that you've highlighted and talked about, um, you know, and, and I think the biggest and most important thing is just more and more education. Like, you know, don't just take somebody at their word because, well, this is what the way they've always done it. Um, I, I'm, I know you are, and I, I'm happy to as well. Like I'll give, I'll give the information that I have. And if I don't know that I'm going to go find it out so that I, I I'm going to go find it out because I'm not going to just 
flat out tell you something and then then you then you did you know if you if it's false now you've broken trust and now you've got to repair trust and um re you know improve it versus just saying hey you know what um this is what i believe but i'm not 100 percent sure that that's accurate let me go find that information um before you proceed on with this and then we can have a discussion about it yeah, I totally agree. Um, and I actually, that's that's something that was kind of just bred into me because uh, my dad was not a teacher. My dad was an IT guy, but at some point in his life and career, he was given a class that he had to teach. And, you know, he always told us the story that he had no knowledge of the of the coursework. And so every night he would study what he needed to study or what he needed to present the next day. And then the next night he would cover the, the next day's class. And so he was just petrified that someone was going to ask him a question that he didn't know. And the person that put him in charge of the class was like, listen, like, all you have to say is, I don't know, but I'll find out. And then that evening, go research or make a call or whatever. And so that's kind of always been my mindset on that is, you know, I don't know everything. If I pretend I know everything, like you immediately reveal yourself a fool if you think or if you say that you know everything. Um, and so, yeah, if somebody asks me a question, whether it's a kid or whatever, and, and I don't know, like I'll tell them, I don't know, but I'll find out or I'll get back to you. Or even if it's something where, you know, I gut react and say what I think, like I'll tell them, listen, here's what I think right now, but I may come back and tell you something different later, but I'll follow up regardless. And I think that, you know, one of the, the, the biggest things that kids can respect about a coach and a leader is that we're human beings and that we'll call ourselves out on making an error and not act like we're perfect. Because I think that, you know, I think that's kind of an old school coaching thing where it's like, I'm always right. And because I said so, and there are times where it's like, uh, I think in your um, iron speed chat the other day, it's like, well, how do you convince them? And I'm like, well, I don't, I just tell them. And like, that's what we're going to do. And we're not going to have a discussion about it. There are absolutely times when it's just, that's, that's what we're doing. I don't need to have an argument with you about it. Just take your freaking shoes off <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, but on the whole, I think that kids really respect when you don't have every single answer but that you're willing to go learn and work and find out because that's exactly what we're asking them to do on the field. They make an error on the field because they don't have the correct movement or skill answer to it. So we expect them to go back and practice and learn from their coach until they get it right. And they can, and they can make the right, uh, they can make the right play. Yeah. I'm with you hundred percent on that. Well, Coach, it's been awesome. Uh, I'm really glad we got this opportunity. Um, I know you're 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 at home, but you're still busy. You've got a lot of things going on, um, you know. And I know we're all kind of waiting with bated breath to see, you know, what what happens in the next three weeks and what happens in August. And um, you know, and you've got your your company going, um, but I know that you 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 are awesome in that you take time to talk to people and, like you said, you're you're willing to give information. Um, obviously for free up to a certain point and i and i'm uh 100 in support of of that you know if, if you're good at something you know don't give them everything but give them enough to to make them want to pay for the good stuff um and, and you've got a lot of great great um ideas and and great things and you know i, I think you're going to be uh awesome in that standpoint of of pushing for better coaching education in the weight room 
Um, you know, and I hope that one day we can fill every high school with us with a qualified strength conditioning coach and a qualified assistant. Um, but uh, until then, you know, how do, how do coaches um, and, and people get a hold of you um, to find out more and, and to possibly even improve their own personal education? Um, my website is safeirontraining.com. Um, and then you can reach me via email at safeirontraining at gmail.com. And then um, my Twitter handle, ooh, great question. Just, <laughs> I think it's at Miss E, like the letter E, Mitchell. So yeah, just look up Missy Mitchell Macbeth on Twitter, or since they're already following you and you follow me, they can look at me up through that. Yeah, it would probably be the easiest way. <laughs> <laughs> You're, I, I pulled it up now. So her her Twitter handle, guys, is at uh, M I S S, the letter E. So Miss E uh, Mitchell, buddy. I, I believe you have two number two number ones instead of two L's. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm I'm really clever like that. So let me tell you, um, Missy Mitchell at Yahoo.com was taken when I was like growing up and getting my first email address. So I was like, let me be clever and use my jersey number and let me tell you how many like times I've had to correct people and explain that. And so yeah, don't yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and having learned nothing, here I am twenty years later and it's my Twitter handle. But that's awesome. That's a good story, though. It's a, and it's clever and it's a good story. Um, you know, I, I'm, I think they can probably link to you on Twitter through your website. So uh, one more time on the website and, and, we'll you know, we'll go from there. Yeah. Website is safeirontraining.com. Cool. Well, you know, like I said, really, really appreciate you for uh, for taking the time out and, and talking with this, um, this, these subjects and I look forward to more discussions in the future and, uh, you know, I, I really, I'd, I'd like to get up and, and, and see you guys and how you do stuff. Um, you know, especially how you work with, uh, the football team, but then turn around and work with volleyball and basketball. And, uh, you know, I definitely want to continue, uh, forging our relationship and helping, helping myself, uh, make me a better, um, strength conditioning coach as well. Absolutely. I appreciate you having me on today. I enjoyed it. We hope you enjoyed today's episode with Coach Missy Mitchell Macbeth. She was an awesome person to talk to and get to know during the time. Uh, we recorded this episode back in the summertime before school started and everything. So she's in the full swing of volleyball season. Basketball season starts up on uh, October 22nd. Uh, so she will have her hands busy programming for volleyball, basketball, and then soccer's coming up. Uh, you got cross country going right now, tennis. Uh, so it's only going to get busier and only a little bit more hectic. But if anything, I know she'll handle it uh, like the true awesome person that she is. Remember to check her out on Twitter at M I S S E M I T C H E 11, Miss E Mitch 11, or website safeirontraining.com.